0: Yeah, that'll work. Good morning, church. Listen, I I hope that you're aware. Some of you are. Some of you may not be, but we've had a big week here at Grace Baptist Church. There's been a lot of things going on First of all, if you were here on Wednesday night for the kickoff to our marriage ministry, we appreciate you so much coming here. Sarah Beth and I kept the kids and I told uh, some of the, the leaders of the group, I said, listen, I'm almost glad that I didn't take part in this first one because I wanted just a pure overflow result feedback of what was going on. And everybody that I talked to had a smile on their face. They were laughing about something that may or may not have been said. And the feedback that I also got was, listen, what happens in marriage ministry stays in marriage ministry. Good, right, wrong, bad, indifferent. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to leave it at that. But listen, here's the only thing that was missing. It could have been you. So if you were missing from this past week, we hope that you will be making plans to meet with us on May the 31st. Not this coming Wednesday, but the following. We will have our second marriage ministry. We'll be hearing from another couple, their testimony, their marriage testimony together, and how God has changed their marriage. Now, also, we had our men's ministry meeting last night. It was so nice to hear testimonies from two of our men, glorifying and honoring what God has done in their life. And yes, when men get together, it's nice when we can eat really good and we take care of that as well. Now, ladies, if you're starting to feel a little bit left out, well, I hope so because here is your opportunity this Wednesday, May the 24th at 6.30, our ladies' ministry will be getting together in the fellowship hall. If you've got questions on that, please see Miss Michelle Daniel at the end of the service. She can answer those questions but there will be this opportunity and then two others in the offset weeks of our marriage ministry where you can come and take part in that okay good now let's move on to what's next here we are today is the day i promise we will be done with first corinthians no more first corinthians i actually look back and i check this is week 20. In First Corinthians, it is already more than double any other book that we've spent time in since I've been here at Grace Baptist. But here's what we're doing today. going to look a little different, but we have a purpose for wrapping it up. We've had lots of conversations throughout this entire semester. And today we want to hit some major highlights from this letter. Major highlights that have resonated even more with us as a Grace Baptist church. So I've had, over these last few months, I've had more conversations that have gone this way. Kyle, I've never read the letter in this way before. Or I've had the conversation of, Kyle, I really feel like through this letter that God is, is calling me, telling me that I need to speak to this person. We need to hash this out. We need to take care of this. And it hasn't been solved for a long time. Or I've had the, cow. I really feel like God is calling me to change this about my life or change that about my life. What do you think on that? Well, let's have that conversation. It has been wonderful. And it's going to culminate even next week, where hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be baptizing one gentleman that came to the realization during this Study of, Kyle, I've been professing salvation. I, I've prayed a prayer and I have been baptized before, but i realize realized that I never truly surrendered to the Lord and I want to be baptized on the proper side of me surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. Now, we do all of this to bring it to a close before we start Jonah next week. So hope that you'll be with us for that. And I have picked out five specific areas that I believe it is essential to the life of Grace Baptist Church. From a spiritual perspective, it's one bit taking a spiritual inventory, seeing where we're at. But then it's another bit of looking ahead to see how we need to grow in obedience of the Word And then lastly, hopefully today gives us a set of tools of how to better do church in the year 2023. Now, if you're already confused, awesome. You're right where you need to be. If you want to turn with me to just the book of 1 Corinthians, we're going to be jumping from the front to the back to the middle, back to the front, and then back towards the end again. So just kind of hang tight. Some of it will be on the screens as well. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Here we go. God, we are thankful for the reminder we've already had today. Just how good You are. How faithful You are. Lord, when we are evil, when we are unfaithful, it does not change Your faithfulness. Lord, today we stand on the promise of the Gospel. Recognizing that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected just as He said He would. And based on those promises, we look forward to the coming fulfillment of Your promises as well. Lord, as we wrap up this series, as we have real conversation on where we're at, what we're doing as a church, change our minds, change our hearts, according to Your living and breathing Word. In Jesus' name, I pray all things. Amen. So for 20 weeks, our title has been a Christ-centered church. Everything that we want to be is Christ-centered, Christ-focused. Everything going back to that, anything that deviates from that, taking it away. So jumping right into it first, we want to be mindful of our culture Be mindful of the culture. That's point number one. I'm taking this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, so if you're already there, great. Let's start with just a couple of verses. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in Him in every way, in all speech, in all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by Him into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. 1 Corinthians 1, that was verses 4 through 10. Now, from the onset, and almost every single week that we have opened the text, we have studied this letter, we have discussed the differing cultures, the differing types of people and people groups that were being mixed together within this church at Corinth. You had some of those that had a Jewish background. You had many of those that would have had a Greek or a Hellenistic background. Lots of different hodgepodge beliefs, most of them pagan, coming together under one roof, under the message of the Gospel. And we knew from the start, this is what we made our connection from the church at Corinth to the United States church or to the Western church here in 2003, we were able to see that and relate because we are a people made up very much in the same way. But here's the problem that we run into. We like to think of our culture from an internal perspective. Here's what I mean by that. We think of our culture as... Christian because we speak the Christian jargon. We know the Christian language. We know the Sunday school answers. But we spend more than five minutes outside in the real world and quickly we should be able to understand that we live in a post Christian society. Now you hear that and some of you kind of balk at that and man, what post Christian society? That doesn't sound very religious. What does that mean? Here's what I mean by that. There would have been a time, many of you got to live and experience it, particularly here in the United States, when most people were affiliated with a church. I'm not even going to say that most of them were Christian, but they were affiliated with a church. You knew who they were, you knew what they did for a living, and you knew where they went to church, okay? Y'all are with me, tracking with me. Here we go. Here's the problem. That's no longer the case. It's no longer the case. Instead of faking it and being a part of the church, now they just decide not to be part of the church. That's what I mean by a post-Christian society. Man, I know that sounds bad. You know what? That actually makes things a little bit better on us. We know who we're dealing with. But here's a question. We know that the United States that we live in is still the melting pot of cultures, but what are we going to do to learn the culture of the lost? of the unchurched. What are we going to do to better understand those who are on the outside who do not know the internal jargon, that do not know the internal doings and goings of a church? What are we going to do to better understand their culture? Think about it, so that we can reach their culture. Maybe have a greater opportunity of building a relationship and reaching them with the gospel and maybe we've got a better opportunity to do that than we ever have in our lifetimes yet at this point we're not willing we don't want to bridge that gap because it might be uncomfortable we talked last week about preconceived notions of unchurched people that they have on the church. And you know what? Most of the time, we're kind of okay with that. We don't care what the outside world thinks of the inside church. Yeah, but here's the problem. Too willing, too too often we are unwilling to learn who they are. And this has come to my mind even more just over the past couple of weeks. Within 2 weeks, I've had two different conversations that went like this. And and it made me think, okay, what does the church as a whole think of this? I had one question. Someone asked me, in a separate conversation, they were talking about someone who is non-binary in regards to their gender. And they asked me, and they said, what in the world is that? Well, you tell me. What does that mean? Do we know what that means? Do we know what a person is going through mentally Have any idea what that means? How would we develop a relationship with this person, have an opportunity to share the Gospel, to be able to explain their worth of being made in God's image, and then help them understand God's plan for creation and how they were made male and female? To do that, take some legwork, Take some grunt work. Can't do it overnight. Probably not going to be able to have that in the first conversation. Are we willing to put in the work? Or is it easier to just go ahead and condemn them, call them names, and retreat back to our culture where it's more comfortable? Many of you saw recently that on our church Facebook page, Someone made a comment about our marriage ministry and asked straight up if gay and lesbian couples would be allowed to attend. And if you saw the post then, hopefully you saw my response. I wanted to be intentional with it. I wanted to stand on a couple things. But I answered back unequivocally, YES! Now, when some of you wake up from me saying that, I'm going to say it again. Yes, absolutely they would be invited. Now, here's what I did. I said yes, absolutely they would be invited. And what I also affirmed was our biblical beliefs that what we would be discussing in the class would be foundation on the Bible that we would be having discussions that are in line with our statements of faith and statements of belief that you can find on our website. I issued the link as well. All that was there. We said, listen, if you're aware of this, if you want to be a part of it you still have interest in it, then come on down. We would love to have you. We say things like, come as you are, and all are welcome. But we've got to do a better job of putting that into practice. Because otherwise, those are empty words. Putting that into practice means getting uncomfortable, means having difficult conversations. And why do we do this? Why would we open our doors and allow such people to come to our marriage ministries? Listen, I don't know about any of you, but I know for me, when I first got to go to church, it was while I was a sinner and they let me in the doors anyways. I don't know when and where that changed. Hopefully it doesn't too often. Amen. Everybody came to church when they were saved? All right. I'll go back through that one again if I need to. Now, here's what we got to understand. Your culture, our culture, is going to come and go. You may see several over a time. But what culture is it that we are specifically trying to create here at Grace Baptist Church? Is it a culture that acts out what we say Or is it a culture that says one thing and then does another? Moving on to number two. We've got to stay focused on proper love. Yeah, you can imagine. This goes to 1 Corinthians 13. Starting in verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant. Is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. We're not going to harp on it too long because we've covered it a couple of times in a few different capacities, but it still stands out as one of the most important aspects of this scripture that we can glean, that we can take away from this letter. And I'll summarize it kind of like this Too often, we love in the biblical definition, going along with the first one, when it is most convenient for us. But when biblical love proves to be too difficult, it becomes easier to keep a record of wrongs. It becomes easier to allow unrighteousness because we don't want to address it and potentially rock the boat And what do we end up doing? We show a weakness in our faith and what we believe. It dilutes our faith and dilutes our testimony when we do not stand on what we say the Bible says and then act in accordance. Flip side of that coin as well. We know that that entire chapter is not just based on love, but how we operate, how we order our worship and we must free ourselves of distractions so as brothers and sisters in Christ we have the obligation we have the responsibility that in love we are properly serving our purpose when it means to us coming together in the name of Jesus Christ that means it is pertinent that means it is essential that we ask each other these questions on a regular basis what we are doing does it bring honor and glory to Jesus. What we are doing, does it work towards and assist the advancement of the kingdom of heaven here on earth? Is it biblically and doctrinally sound? Is it equipping the saints for proper service? If we start to mull around these questions and the answers start to get a little muddy and we have to start talking around them and tiptoeing around them, if it gets lost in the detail, then when all the ifs, maybes, and buts, more than likely then what we are doing is expand It can be changed. It may have already become a distraction. And we must take it away in order to accomplish what our one goal is. Which takes us to the next point. Working quickly. We've got to understand tradition versus worship. Tradition versus worship. They are not... The same thing. 1 Corinthians 8, 1-3 Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. If anyone thinks he knows anything, he does not yet know it as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, he is known By Him. What do we take away from that? Beware of legalism. It often creeps in when we take the knowledge of a tradition. A tradition that we enjoy. That makes us feel good. But then we add to it additional meaning. We add to it an expectation that isn't biblical. And it becomes improper worship so then what do we do we bottle it up and then we shove it down somebody's throat and force it upon someone else as the standard by which all things are set and all of a sudden it has not only become a distraction it has also become an idol it hurts and people ask me why at times I've been so quick to change certain traditions here at Grace. Things that have been held dear. And I promise you, it is not the tradition itself that is a bad thing that I have issue with. But if it has become something more important, if it has become something that it isn't, then as the shepherd of this flock, I've got to be careful and I've got to be diligent that we are diligent to remove Such things. Words of Jesus. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now listen, Jesus is not talking about a self-mutilation here. It is not a literal translation of, man, if my hand causes me to sin, I've got to chop the thing off. But it is a way of saying that we have got to take drastic steps, we have got to make sure that we are diligent, and we are willing to go the extra mile to make sure that distractions, that idolatry is not allowed in the church. Now, here's something to think about. What speaks more of our beliefs in the Bible? Is there humility? in trying something new. Now, let's stand on this. We're not throwing out the Bible. The Bible itself, yes, we believe is a tradition. We're not throwing out the Gospel. This is what our entire faith is built on. We're not throwing those things out by no means, but everything on top of that, we loosely hang on to what we prefer and we trade it in for what might work better for reaching the culture that we're currently living in. So here's your two attitudes. Think about it like this. What's better and more Christ-like? I will give up what I prefer and try a new strategy because this will help me reach people for Jesus better in 2023. That's attitude number one. Or, I've done it this way for 50 years. I like it this way. And if they don't like it, then tough, they can go somewhere else because this is how it's done. Which one shows Jesus? Which one is Christ-centered? Which attitude is worship? Trick question. Both of them are worship, but which one is proper worship? of Jesus. While you ponder, remember that Paul even changes his approach in the middle of the book of Acts After visiting many synagogues and after going through those cultures and what he could expect, being a former Jew himself, he kind of had his strategy on hand. He knew he was going to go to a synagogue, meet with those people, and then from there, start conversations on the Gospel. He would start to use Jewish phrases like the Messiah or speaking of Abraham and Moses and the other prophets. But then he moves to the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17. He starts speaking with people that don't have a Jewish background. Moses and Abraham don't mean a hill of beans to these guys, but they are Stoics, they are philosophers, they are thinkers. And what does Paul do? He starts speaking to the unknown God and introduces them to a God that they had never even thought of before. Paul did not change the Gospel because the Gospel does not change. But he did not go to the Areopagus and say, this is what I've always shared and I'm going to share it the same way that I always have. Fourth thing. Bring unity within the community. 1 Corinthians 3. Now we said it last week. We spoke of the rhetorical... Greetings with a kiss. And we were all kind of thankful that that's a tradition that's already been knocked out a long time ago. But anyways, it was supposed to be a sign of brotherhood and camaraderie. Chapter 1 opened up with Paul rebuking the church for being in rivalry with one another. I followed the preachings of Paul. I followed the preachings of Apollos. I followed the preachings of Jesus. Chapter 3 then gets specific that it came down to greed and strife or greed and envy that had been taking place within the church at Corinth. He says this, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere Humans, we too at Grace Baptist Church must lay aside the quibbling. We must lay aside the hurt feelings. Forget about the one that looked at you the wrong way. The one that might have ruffled your feathers. We've got to lay down our insecurity of not being in control. We've got to put down the feelings of wanting position more than anything else. And we must recognize that as a family, we are here to look out for the best interests of others. And until we address these matters, those that are known, those that may be unknown at this point, we will always be stifled as a church in our seeking and acting out the will of God and the advancement of His kingdom and the work that we are supposed to be doing here in Cartersville, Georgia. I urge you, as I have previously, I want you to best understand that holding on to anger, keeping hurt feelings within, and allowing it to turn into bitterness, harboring ill feelings towards a brother or sister in Christ without approaching them, without discussing it, as Matthew 5 or Matthew 18 puts it, it is sinful, and you're living in unwarranted, unrepentant sin. It's in total contradiction to the love, grace, and mercy that we have seen, that we have experienced, and has been defined in this letter. We've got to fight that because it's in our very nature to develop and hold on to these feelings. To allow the Holy Spirit to constantly keep a check on us and check our emotions and feelings that... Is work. That is work against our flesh. Otherwise, we will continue to stunt the spiritual growth and the opportunity for Grace Baptist Church and continue sipping on spiritual milk. So as we think on that, we go to our last point. Point number five. Evaluate often. Another one that we've mentioned several times coming from 1 Corinthians 11. In regards to the partaking of the Lord's Supper, we've been reminded that we must do so in as proper of a fashion as possible. Starting in verse 28. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. It is wise. It is our calling to continuously evaluate what. We are doing our everyday life. And as we evaluate, we should find ourselves exposed to more and more sin prevalent in our lives. If we are praying, and using it as worship to God and worshiping His goodness, His majesty, His mightiness, His perfection. If we dwell on those things and if we sing and praise and pray those things, then the flip side, we should become more understanding of our depravity, of our inability to do anything that is good apart from God. It should become more evident. Paul even speaks of this in the second letter of Corinthians. Corinthians, when he sent them the first letter, then he sends the second one on top of it and he says, listen, I sent you that first one to provoke a response from you. Second Corinthians 7, verses 9 and 10 says this, I now rejoice because you were grieved. I am happy, I am rejoicing, I am praising God because my first letter made you upset. Wow! But because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. The first letter hurts the church's feelings and intended to do so in order for them to better understand their wrongdoing, to change their attitude, to change their motives towards the Lord and to bring them back into a proper place of worship. Worship. If we see so many similarities between their church and ours in the United States, then we must do the same thing. This is why we have a response time at the end of every single service. Maybe contrary to popular opinion, it's not just so that the band can play one more song that they practice throughout the course of the week. There is an intent to it. After we have worship through the singing of God's Word, then we have worship through the proclaiming, the preaching of God's Word. This is one more opportunity for us to proclaim the Word of God but then to be moved by it. To be changed by it. To allow it. If we take Take it in. If this book is living and breathing and active, and it's able to separate bone from air and all that good stuff, then we must act accordingly. From it, there must be a response. We worship God through a response, and our worship becomes action. If we don't practice it here at church corporately on a Sunday. How in the world can we expect ourselves to live in a posture of doing the same thing on a day-to-day basis? We respond to the worship of God's Word here so that we will be changed by it accordingly out there. So with that being said, I'm going to ask Mark and the band to come on up how are we going to respond today? Well, you've got a couple of options. One, maybe you're here and you realize I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I have never started a relationship with Jesus. What do I mean by that? Because that's some more of that inside church jargon that a lot of people don't understand. Here's what I mean. Have you ever admitted that you're a sinner? That God's Word is perfect, that God is perfect, and I've not lived perfectly as was intended. I've fallen short of God's glory. Have you admitted that you've done that? Have you expressed belief in jesus christ that he is lord that he is exactly who he says he is that he lived the perfect life he died on a cross but then crazy enough he resurrected from the dead three days later have you put your faith and trust and belief in that and confessed it professed it to others around you and have you committed to living your life on that belief that's what it means to be a christian what it means to receive the holy spirit to begin developing a desire for god's word and wanting to live according to god's word and not according to my word or what he says she says or anybody else we must respond to that gospel that is what we refer to as the gospel or maybe you're here and you say well kyle i have surrendered to the gospel i profess faith in jesus christ Great, I hope so. Then hopefully it is being revealed to you on a day-to-day basis what sin is in your life. Or you've seen over the course of 20 weeks that man, my attitude is X, but it should be Y, and I need the Holy Spirit to get me from point A to point B. It may start with confession at these altars. It may start with a confession at your seat. Your action, your response to the Word of God may be, God, I really need to apologize to that person. I really need to sit down with them and eat crow. And crow doesn't taste real good. But what do we do when we do those things? We're not acting for that other person. We are acting with love towards God. God says, love me, keep my word. And if you keep my word, you're going to love other people. Where are we at? We're going to be a Christ-centered church. A Christ-centered church must be geared towards repentance, turning away, and acting out the Word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we can't do any of these things on our own. We could try. We might even be able to get to a certain point, but that certain point is still going to fail short of your expectations. Oh God, we believe Your Word and if what Your Word says is truth and it's truth that we depend on, then Lord, we must be changed by it. Change our response. Change our response so we can recognize the culture of our world. The lost world. Change our response so we can love the way that Christ loved us first. Change our heart, Lord, that we will let go of traditions and we will focus solely on proper worship. God, put us in a posture to evaluate often. Evaluate, Lord, what You're teaching us and be willing to change. God, we love You. We recognize in this moment we need You. In the name of Jesus. We pray all things. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Grace Baptist Cartersville podcast. If you would like more of Grace Baptist Cartersville, make sure you check out our GBC Young Adults podcast. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our services on YouTube.